Your Locked On Blue Jackets, your daily podcast on the Columbus Blue Jackets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Afternoon, good evening, wherever you are. This is Lockdown Blue Jackets. We are part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Jay Foster, and I am, as always, your host for this show full of all kinds of Blue Jackets news, breaking and otherwise. Today's episode is brought to you by Spotify Green Room. Download the app and join me later tonight to get in on the action. So today uh, we have uh, more Seth Jones talk as trade discussions are kind of heating up, getting more and more intense. It looks like it's basically being narrowed down to a handful of teams that he's willing to go to. So uh, I decided that it would be worth having a chat with Rachel and Danielle of Locked On Flyers. Philadelphia Flyers are, of course, heavily rumoured to be one of the leading teams in the Seth Jones sweepstakes. So I thought we would have a chat about what Seth Jones can do for them and maybe throw out some fun trade puzzles, things like that. So I will get right into that conversation. All right. So like we previewed at the start of the show, we are joined by Jay Forster, host of Locked On Blue Jackets, to talk about Seth Jones. Jay, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, thank you for thank you for having me. I, I always take the opportunity to try and sell players that don't want to be on my team to other teams. So, <laughs> <laughs> Oh, boy. Well, this should be a really good uh, conversation then. Uh, to, to kick it off, though, before we start talking specifically about Seth Jones, uh, just give us a rundown about the season. How did you like playing in a different division? You you weren't in the Metro. Uh, what were the pros and cons of that? No, it was, yeah, it was super weird. Like, it took me most of the season to get used to it. Um, I mean, in some ways it was good in that I didn't have to pay attention to the Penguins or the Rangers for, like, an entire season, which, great, 10 out of 10, would do that again. Um, but I also had to pay attention to, like, the Lightning, for, I think we played the Lightning six times in the month of March, which is too many times to play the Lightning in the regular season. Um, so it had it had its ups and downs, um, but I did very much enjoy kind of not having to pay attention to teams I do not like. Um, and it was also fun to see like teams that we don't get to see a lot. So like um, it didn't really go our way a lot, but like getting to play Chicago more than twice a season was cool um, just because it's a team that we don't see very often. Same for Dallas, even though I have like an irrational, um, I, I I don't know what it is. Dallas is my nemesis. Um, I I just, I don't like, I don't like that team. I don't like anyone on that team, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so I didn't love having to play those guys eight times, but it was nice to see someone different and not play the same Metro Division um, a million times. Yeah, speaking from experience, oh, the Metro got extremely nauseating <laughs> very quickly. There's um, only, I can see how. Sorry, there's only so many times I can like pay attention to the Pittsburgh Penguins in a season, and like five is pushing it. Frankly, um, eight felt like it would have just been way too many way too many having to pay attention to the penguins 
<laughs> yes. Yes, it was. <laughs> so for those of us who were paying attention to just our division, because that's all we saw, could you just kind of give us a summary of what went wrong for Columbus? Maybe what went right, too, but kind of what got the team to the point where Seth Jones seemed to have requested a trade out of town? Yeah, I mean, one of those is a much shorter list than the others. Um, but, it, I, you know, I don't really know what we're wrong. I've kind of been mulling it over, chewing it over um, since the season started. And it felt like a season where, in theory, things should have mostly gone OK. Like from at the start of the season, I had a pretty good a pretty good feeling in general. I was like, hey, our centre depth is pretty good. We've got two good goalies. Our um, defence was one of the deepest in the league. And then they went and they traded Ryan Murray and Marcus Nudevara. They, um, obviously the whole thing with Pierre-Luc Dubois went down. Um, and Patrick Laine for, you know, I think Patrick Laine had a decent season, but I don't think he was the um, saviour of Columbus hockey the way people were expecting him to. Um, and it just kind of seemed like it was it was a lot of little things that decided to happen all in one season. Um, Mika Koivu retiring seven games in, for example, you know, and so then we've gone from having fairly strong centre depth in uh, Dubois, Domi, Koivu and Riley Nash. Um, and of those four guys, one of them finished the season on the team and I believe he played wing for most of the, the second half of the season. So... I don't know whether it was just bad luck, whether it was bad coaching, whether it was the fact that we've been decent for four years and the hockey guys have decided that that's, that's quite enough from us and we need to be mediocre for the next kind of 16 years. Um, but yeah, just, I don't know. It was a whole, it was a mess. Um, I will say in regards to Seth Jones, um, I'm still not 100% sure kind of what went wrong there. He didn't have a very good season, which I'm sure we'll talk about in a minute. Um, but I didn't realise that it had gotten to the point where um, it wasn't like... It was just kind of assumed that he was going to re-sign with us. It was assumed that he was going to wear the, the C next season because obviously we um, traded Nick Foligno away, um, long-time captain, and everyone was like, well, yeah, obviously Seth's going to have the, the C next season. And then it kind of came out, oh, he doesn't want to... He wants to explore free agency was the was the phrase, which is basically, yeah, no, I'm I'm out of here. Um and so we kinda had the option to trade him this off season or wait and kinda use him as a rental player next season, which, you know, I'm sure you remember we did a couple of seasons ago with Bobrovsky and Panarin. And I mean on the one hand we won our first playoff series ever, but on the other hand they they walked away for nothing at the end of the season. So I think it's it's in our best interest to um, to trade Seth Jones now instead of waiting and waiting and maybe flipping him at the trade deadline next year. And then uh, what actually happens is we can't find a trade partner for him and then he walks for nothing. So coming up in just a minute, we've got more conversation with Rachel and Danielle about Seth Jones. Yeah, that's always a tough one, like whether it's a decision of you know, getting into the playoffs but losing them for nothing versus, you know, maybe sacrificing this season um, if you can't find someone to, to, you know, supplement his time and his production um, to get something more, hopefully for the future. Um, but now that you, I mean, you brought up Seth Jones, let's let's jump into him a little bit. Um, 
many people, myself included, have expressed their concern for Jones and like his play the past two seasons. As someone who's watched him, do you agree with those concerns? And um, what has changed in his game uh, these past two seasons? Um, it's, it's really weird. And I, I've talked about this kind of a little bit on my show. Um, and I talked about this kind of off mic with, um, Alison Lucan when I talked to her a couple of months ago. Obviously, she's, you know, one of the best in the business in terms of like Blue Jackets reporting specifically, but just like general stats stuff. And the thing about Seth Jones is a lot of the things that Seth Jones is good at are things that it's not like are not readily kind of quantifiable with advanced stats yet um and so that's why he's one of those players that his advanced stats are always kind of decent ish but then you look at him on the ice and that you, you kind of you can see okay like you can't um i hate using like eye test versus stats but a lot of seth jones's stuff is kind of a mix of both um like specifically his transition play is something that he was really really good at a few seasons ago and then for whatever reason and this was kind of a team-wide thing this year we just we could not get out of our own zone our breakouts were just not not doing the job and so I think that was when you take away the the thing that he's good at then it kind of um makes everything else that he's only okay at look much more kind of stark um and Seth Jones is never going to be you know a a real offensive defenseman like I think he'd be quietly put up I think he had a 20 28 or 29 point season which is, you know, fine, um, but he's not going to, you know, John Carlson all over the place and score. You know, he's not he's not good for 50 points a season regularly, you know. Um, so I think if he's not scoring, then he has to be doing something. But Seth Jones, I feel like, is one of those defensemen where if you see him doing something, it's probably a bad thing, if that makes sense. That totally does. It's actually really interesting that you say that what he's good at is not as easily measured because I think that's you know a lot of the things that people say that they like about him are those things that you just talked about and so when we get kind of mired in the numbers you don't talk about those things so you know as much as we have talked about his numbers in particular on our show so far when we've been talking about these rumors it's kind of good to hear that perspective yeah and i think it's it it is like numbers are important obviously um but i've kind of i've i've gone from a real place of like well advanced stats are the only things that matter the eye test is garbage to kind of no actually there's kind of a there's kind of a middle ground and it's not a case of if he has good advanced stats, that means he's a phenomenal player. And if he has bad advanced stats, then that means he's worthless. It is very much like a an in-between thing because, like, again, like I say, you know, and especially for defensemen, like advanced stats are so brand new that we're still figuring out the best way to analyze what we're seeing on the ice. Yeah, that is for sure. So in order for Seth Jones to kind of rebound from what people have been saying are down seasons, like what specifically do you think he needs to work on? Um, 
That's kind of a tough one because I feel like a lot of the the problems um, that Seth Jones has had have kind of been down to um, lack of stability in terms of his defensive partner. Like I know everyone assumes that he and Wierenski are kind of attached to the hip and they were for the first two seasons, but Wierenski missed a huge chunk of last season and he missed a huge chunk of this season as well. Um, and so if you're not playing with your regular defensive partner, then it's tough to kind of really get into a rhythm and know um, kind of what what you can do and what you can't do. Um, and especially with a, a defensive partner like Zach Wierenski, um, he's, he's everywhere all the time. Um, and it makes it a lot easier to play with if, if you have that kind of defensive partner. Um, but I think for, for Seth Jones, like specifically, it's just a case of, I think, and again, this like the warning for, you know, horrible hockey cliches and stuff. I think he does kind of need to just strip it back and like easy, simple plays. No, like none of this Rover thing that he's been kind of toying with the past couple of years in uh, in Chicago. Wow. In Columbus um, and things like that. So I think it is something that it's, if he does go to Philadelphia, which is, um, and again, I'm sure we'll talk about this in a minute, but that's one of, like, he's heavily rumoured that that's one of the teams that are pushing hard for Seth Jones. It's going to be a stable, reliable defenseman uh, to pair with him. Either someone who is kind of more offensively minded, like Zach Wierenski. Um I'm not super up on, on Flyers defensemen and their various skills. Um, so I, I wouldn't be able to suggest, you know, uh, oh, he should play with this guy or that guy. But he should either be playing with like a Zach Wierenski, um super offensively minded defenseman or kind of a more stay at home defenseman. Because I think his kind of weird hybrid blend between the two really kind of suits itself to playing with someone who is not also kind of like that hybrid defenseman. Coming up in just a minute, we've got more conversation with... Rachel and Danielle about Seth Jones, but first I've got to tell you about Built Bar. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar on the market. You know it, I know it, everyone knows it. We've done championships, we've done brackets, we've done polls on Twitter, we've done all sorts. But did you know that Built Bar has nine incredible flavours plus? They've got occasional limited time flavours. Uh, I believe this summer they're doing orange and strawberry flavours. So if that sounds like something you're into, then make sure you jump straight in and get some. Regular flavors, we're talking coconut, we're talking raspberry, we're talking peanut butter brownie. There is something for everyone in the Built Bar spectrum. And best of all, not only are they the best tasting, they're also good for you as well. Most of the flavors have 17 grams of protein, only 130 calories, only four grams of sugar, and only four grams of net carbs. And all of those flavors are delicious and nutritious. So go to BuiltBar.com, use promo code LOCKED15, you'll get 15% off your first order. Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. That's really interesting. I never thought about him like that. And and um, I always just thought that you you pick, you put him with an offensive defenseman because that's, to me, what Zach Wierenski is. But uh that's interesting to know because I think the Flyers, you know, they are rumored to to be in on Seth Jones, and I think if they do get him, um, everyone's thinking that he would play with Ivan Provorov on the top pair. Um, so uh, it'll be really 
interesting to see if one, they do land him, but if they work out, but speaking of like next season and if the Flyers do land Seth Jones, do you believe that he can rebound back to that top pair defenseman that, that he was projected to be? I saw this, I, I, saw, I saw this question when, when we were kind of prepping for the episode and I, immediately I was like, yeah, no, I think so. And then I kind of thought about it a minute and I think the answer is yes, but I also think, um, I think he's going to rebound as far as the kind of the old hockey boys club are concerned, if that makes sense. I think he's going to be better on the ice next season. I don't know if he's going to be as good as, like, you guys want him to be. I don't know if he's going to be as good as, like, the the, the general advanced stats committee um, think he can be. But I think he will, yeah, I think he'll have an up season. But I don't know that it'll be a, a like. How do I want to put this? I think any any small increase in his game will be massively um, extrapolated by the um, the media. If if that makes sense, I feel like that's. Uh, and I know what I want to say, and I don't have the the words to to put it together properly. <laughs> no, I think that's fair, and you know, assessing these defensemen that you know, have been in the league for a good amount of time, it's it's hard because you have to let go of your expectations for them. I know after this past season, um, for me specifically, like with Ivan Provorov, I always just, in my mind, he was a number one defenseman. And then after this season, um, you know, that, that came into question and I really had to just reevaluate how I look at his potential and like his height for me. And, um, so, so I think that's fair that you <laughs> you say that Seth Jones. You had to think about it. It's, it's not just a, a clear cut yes uh, that he yeah, will think, rebound think, and be that top pair. Yeah, I think it will be generally accepted that he rebounds, but whether he actually rebounds or if it's just like um his his he gets by a reputation will will be it remains to be seen. I think I think a lot of people. If he's half decent next season, a lot of people will be like, yeah, Seth Jones deserves the Norris. Um, and I don't know if, that, <clears throat> I don't quite know if that's the, that's the case anymore. So given everything that's going on with him, like, let's just say it, in a, maybe bubbles the wrong word here, but the, Blue Jackets were going to re-sign him and there was like no cap consideration. Like what is Seth Jones's value? Like if if he was going to get a next contract, what do you think that would look like? Um he's on what 5.25 at the minute, 5.5. Um I should have looked this up before coming on the show. Um I was fully expecting probably upwards of Nine million for eight years, if not ten million plus, um, just because that's the way that the inflation in this sport is going. Even with a flat cap, I would be, I would have been very surprised if um, we had got, we had signed him for less than less than nine. Um, now after the trade and after everything, um, I 
what did I, I, I said to, um, to Jack Bushman of Locked on Blackhawks when we kind of had this exact same conversation of is Seth Jones even really worth it, etc. Um, I, I said seven years at eight million would be my expectation for him, uh, in a, in a, a sign and trade, um, or a, tra- a trade and sign deal, which I assume is what's going to happen. Um, is that it's, it's going to be a case of you are going to trade for Seth Jones and then immediately lock him up long term, which is not like terrible. Um, I mean, he's really, he's in his prime at the minute. He's 26 right now, 26, 27. Um, so, you know, he is, he is kind of as good as he's going to get right now. And he's young enough that signing him to a seven year contract is not the worst thing in the world. Um, but, Having seen kind of what's going on around the league, whether the Blue Jackets are going to be competitive next next season or not, I am very glad that we're not paying him $10 million for the next eight years. So tomorrow uh, we will have a special bonus episode where I finish off my conversation with Rachel and Danielle about Seth Jones and what Philadelphia might want to offer in return. Uh, next week I will be talking to Harrison Lee of Locked On... Winnipeg Jets about the Dubois line trade and I will also be talking to uh, AHL expert and Locked On Ducks host Jason Hernandez about the uh, newest assistant coach hiring. He spent three years with San Diego under former Jacket Kevin Deneen so we'll be sure to get Jason's analysis of his coaching style and skills so uh, make sure you tune in next weekend i've been jay foster this is locked on blue jackets you can find me on twitter at underscore jacob foster j-a-k-o-b-f-o-r-s-t-e-r you can follow this podcast at lo underscore blue jackets or you can find us wherever you get your podcasts literally wherever apple spotify odyssey we're on audible we are on stitcher we are if you have a favorite podcast app we are we are there. So make sure you check us out, enjoy your weekend, and until tomorrow, make sure you stay locked on.